I've always wanted to be an architect. I always wanted to be an architect. Oh my God. I have always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. Cody, why don't you try to introduce yourself, your role at Tandem, and a little bit about the company, and give us uh, the Cody Carson 101. Sure. So I'm Cody Carson. I'm a project manager for Tandem Construction. We're a local contractor here in the uh, Sarasota Manatee County area. I've been with the company now just about seven years. So came to Florida right after college, started at Tandem in June of 2015. Where'd you go to college? Went to college at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville. So most people know this actual Southern Illinois University further south. We were just across the river from St. Louis. Okay. So got a construction management degree there. Came down to Tandem immediately after graduation. Wait, but hold on, because I know some about you. What did you first go to college? Oh, for? yeah. <laughs> so when I started, when I went to college, I was a biochem major and I had plans of uh, going into the medical field. I actually yeah. wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> and about three semesters into my college journey, I realized that. Uh, I probably didn't have the passion for it that I needed to uh, to do that for the next 12 years. Not that I didn't have an interest, but it was clear that it was going to demand a little more of me than I felt willing to give. So that was a transition period trying to figure out what to do next. And I had been framing houses and working as a laborer for a masonry company for the previous three summers. So construction was of interest. The school had a degree and so it began. And do you see any relationship between what you were studying first and now? Interestingly, yeah, just because I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I spent some time in operating rooms before I changed majors and shadowing some orthopedic surgeons. And it, particularly orthopedic surgery, it's literally a construction site in there. I mean, they've got all of the major equipment, hammers, chisels, saws. So it was... uh, Certainly working with your hands, solving problems, collaborating with other people. And I guess the other similarity is I still get to do something now where it's got a lasting impact. You know, you go replace somebody's knee, they've got a new knee for the rest of their life. You go build a building and yeah. you've like left a mark on the community for a little while, which is kind of interesting too. Do you do uh, any sculpture or anything or art yourself? I don't. I'm not overly creative in the arts. I used to... Uh, play a couple of musical instruments, you know, yeah. still play the piano a little bit, but that was a, that's about it from the arts perspective for me. So. Only reason I ask is because we have a few orthopedic surgeon friends and they're all sculptors or, mm-hmm. or you know, because they work with their hands. Sure. And I would assume that the translation for you is construction. Right? It is. It's not yeah. art as much as sculpture. So. Right. Okay, keep going. Sorry. No problem. Um, so yeah, I came to Tandem seven years ago. We do a lot of commercial construction in the area. Our kind of boundaries of work are beginning to expand a little bit into Charlotte counties and even up in Pinellas County. Local company, everybody gets to go home at night, which is great. Yeah, we've worked on a lot of higher education projects, sports facilities, and just general commercial construction. And what types of projects have you personally worked on? I've done a little bit of everything, actually. My first project was a multifamily condo project out on Longboat Key. Then I went to New College of Florida and worked on a science laboratory addition for them. Spent a couple of years at IMG Academy doing a few different things. Built a couple baseball fields, a dorm, a hotel, 
outdoor courtyard and pool area. Those all kind of happened over a few year period there. And then most recently went down to uh, Pineview School and worked for Sarasota County Schools on building a new classroom building for them. And uh, currently in pre-construction on a few projects, one of which is actually with you on the uh, 1391 Parkside job here in Sarasota. And how many of those projects that you worked on that you just named included architects? All of them included architects and in in varying ways, you know, in some projects like at IMG Academy, it's design build projects. So we actually hold the architect's contract in that case, whereas at uh, New College and at Pineview, it's a construction management at risk type of contract where we are contracted separately with the owner, but it's daily collaboration. Mm -hmm. And when do you prefer to just to begin working with the architects? As early as possible, as early as possible. You know, we have the benefit and at tandem of typically doing either design build or construction management type delivery on projects. So we obviously prefer to be involved even before schematic design, if we can be, to work collaboratively with the architect, kind of vet out the different systems that might be used, get market feedback from subcontractors and different people that are in the industry to kind of help facilitate the design process from the very beginning. Do you find yourself recommending that to owners or to your clients? Or does it sort of naturally happen? Or what's the relationship there? I think it depends. You know, a lot of our clients are repeat clients. And so they've already really seen the value in that delivery process. They understand that getting everybody in the room as early as possible and discussing things prevents rework and kind of helps guide the vision when we deal with newer clients that maybe aren't even necessarily just new to tandem construction, but are new to project development or the commercial construction business at all. It's definitely something that we recommend, you know, getting an architect or design firm involved early and their consultants in a lot of cases, because we're not the code experts that architects and engineers are, let alone local ordinances and things like that, that we just might not be aware of that it avoids, you know, having to backtrack and you can get everybody involved early. Do you find you have to sell that? On occasion, we do. I think particularly with folks that are just used to thinking of the construction industry as kind of a competitive bid, hard bid type of industry. I think it's actually probably harder for us to sell our involvement so early as it than it is for us yeah. to sell an architect being involved. Meaning, I think owners, especially ones that are new to construction, probably already think about the fact that I need to hire an architect because I need somebody to design this thing that I've got in my head and I want to have them on board to be bouncing ideas off of and kind of build this vision. I think it's usually that they don't want the contractor involved so early because then they feel that, how do I know that I'm getting the most competitive pricing when it's all said and done? If I've already hired tandem construction to be involved, how do we know that we're actually getting the best price that we can. And I think that that's a misconception because the benefit is we're constantly keeping our finger on the pulse of the market and discussing with subcontractors and have the relationships that can benefit the entire design process. Whereas if you wait until the design's done and then you bid it out to multiple contractors, their job is to give you a price for what's on the drawings, nothing more, nothing less. And they're not willing to necessarily make assumptions, ask questions because they're trying to win a project and doing that means they need to provide the lowest price possible. So here's the interesting thing. We as architects, or at least me, 
have the exact opposite perception. Interesting. Yeah. So one of my, and I've written blog posts about this. I've written a lot of newsletters about this before. One of our frustrations is that we feel a lot of owners go to contractors first mm-hmm. because they think that's how they get it done because it has to be built. Mm-hmm. And we're always trying to explain that the architect is who designs it. The contractors, they don't want the contractors to design it, right? Right. They think they they sometimes miss the line between building and design. Mm-hmm. And they think that they automatically need to find the builder or the contractor instead of the designer or architect. And that's something that we constantly are struggling with or try to convince, I guess, sometimes. And it's also interesting that a large percentage of our projects have come from contractors because the owner goes to the contractor first and then the contractor says, okay, now you got to talk to an architect Mm -hmm. versus us bringing the contractor on, which is typically how you would think it would go. Sure. You know, and it's probably easy from an owner's perspective too, because for one, like, we're typically the logo on the fence on the side of the road that somebody sees. That's right. You know, so they think, oh, I want to build this. I know what I want. I'm going to call Tandem Construction to build it or whoever the contractor may be. Whereas no matter how much an owner thinks they know what they want, and hopefully they have a pretty good idea, there's a lot more that goes into taking an idea and getting it to a point where it can be built without too many hiccups or questions or things that are not necessarily even to code than an owner would realize, even if they've got a perfect vision in their head of, hey, I, I just need to hire somebody to build this for me because I know what I need. Typically, there's a lot of gaps to fill that a typical person wouldn't know. Right. So other than the team sort of being together, what have you found architects provide that make a project more successful at the end? I think a number of things. One of the first things that come to mind is architects have typically a very good understanding of materials, right? And and of things and systems that are going to last for the long term because you have meetings with people that are in the different industries and folks come in and they talk directly to design firms about here's this new product, here's this new paint system or a new flooring. At the end of the day, owners want to build something that's going to last, particularly in the commercial field where it's usually public spaces we're dealing with, at least at tandem. And it's harder to maintain those buildings. It's harder to keep buildings that are going to last. Having a design team in your corner from the beginning is going to give you the best route to designing a project that's going to last for the life of your building and, and you know make it easy to maintain. The other thing is, like I mentioned, just filling the gaps of an owner probably doesn't have any idea what ADA requirements are for a commercial space, what slopes need to be, what clearances they need around doorways, where they need to have grab rails and restrooms. Like, There's a lot of things that are just not known to the common person about especially creating commercial spaces that are intended to be used by the public. That, And if you don't design those things in earlier in the project, it's just going to create rework later because no matter what, they're going to be needed. Right. So you want to have that incorporated and have that kind of collaborative effort. And the other thing is just giving an owner's vision some life because things change a lot when you get into that initial process and an architect can either put something on paper or in a 3D model and kind of move it around and talk with them about it and say, I know you were thinking about using this size of the space here, but maybe you need to create more natural light by doing this. And, you know, so 
a lot of times I think that a person who wants to build something probably has an idea of what they want and they might even think that it's a really, really good idea. Right. But it's hard to vet it all out without the design professionals there in the front, you know, on the front end. Right. Our answer to that is that our concern always is, I mean, it's interesting that you're talking about longevity and maintenance and things like that. And yes, we have a sense of that and we have knowledge about different materials and, th- and, and things that will apply to the final design or the final application. But the reason why I like having contractors on board as soon as possible is to get your input as to how things are built mm-hmm. that will then last and sustain themselves and be, and be maintenance-free or whatever. Because we have a... We have a sense of it, but in reality, if I go to a concrete guy, let's say we're talking about stairs, right? Mm-hmm. You can go to four different concrete guys and they'll all tell you different ways of building those stairs. Sure. Right? Or a contractor will say, well, I would rather do a wood stair instead of a poured concrete stair or instead of a metal pan stair. So what we look for from contractors is the same thing, but at a different approach or a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's where the collaborative effort helps answer different questions for the client, depending on what it is that it is their number one priority. Mm -hmm. You know, some clients are like, I want this building to be a major statement and I want it to be a visually appealing building. Some people are, I want to maximize my cost per square foot. Some people are, a lot of people are somewhere in the middle. Right. But Certain things that you're going to be the expert on and have a lot of input on are going to be totally different than what a contractor might. And having both of those strengths in the room at the same time make a big difference. All right. So when does an architect get in the way? (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting question. I would say this is just coming from a field construction guy because I spend a lot of my time on job sites. But there's two things that come to mind when I hear that question. One is when a particular phase of the project, once it's underway, mm-hmm. is 80 to 90% complete. Meaning a subcontractor is almost finished with their task to where you can tell that they're almost... You can they, To some people, it yeah. might even look finished. Yeah. And an architect has a tendency to come in and go, make sure that you do this or make sure... And then that creates a little... You know, the subcontractor's like, oh, I'm not done yet, you know? So that's one of the places where it's like an interesting dynamic of a more trained eye. And sometimes it's a huge benefit because you'll see something that we missed or go, hey, when we drew this detail, it was actually supposed to be done like that. But in a lot of cases, subcontractors, you know, get defensive about things. They're like, hey, let me finish, you know, and then critique me. So (laughs) that that would be, you know, one of one of the places. And the other one, I guess, kind of uh, piggybacking off of that is just in general, we are a bit. I guess possessive is the right word of our subcontractors and the people that we have built these relationships with. So whether it's a client or an architect or whomever, one of the one of the consultants, we like to be a part of at a minimum, you know, facilitating conversations between those folks and the subcontractors. Sure. And avoid, you know, direct lines of communication with subcontractors or direction being given to them without our, you right. know, without our oversight. Or at least involvement, because a lot of times the direction is going to be the same, but just being aware of that conversation so that we're not sending mixed signals to the guys that are doing the work at the end of the day is probably another place where we like to be involved. No, and, and again, this is interesting as a conversation because everything you say, I can say almost the same thing, but from my perspective. So one of the most frustrating things for us 
is when your subs call us directly, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And ask us, you know, well, what's the color of the window? Well, I'm not going to tell you that because I want the contractor to know that. Right. And I need to tell him that and let him tell you that, right? Mm-hmm. If you are asking me that question, then there's already a disconnect mm-hmm. between the people that are really building it and coordinating it and our intention of designing it, right? So it's the same thing, but from our perspective, and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So to go back to the beginning, and you talked about how we as architects and contractors work together in the beginning. And one of the things that I, if I've said it a hundred times, I've said it a thousand times, is when I draw, numbers don't come out of my pen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. the first question I get asked all the time when I start with a client or when I sit down with a client and, and we're talking about the project and or design is they say, well, how much is it going to cost? And I have no idea. I have a sense of costs in the industry, which at this right now, it's constantly changing. So it doesn't even matter what I think. Mm-hmm. But there's an initial sort of misunderstanding, I think, that architects can generate costs associated with their design. So explain the process of cost estimating and how you work with architects and how we work together on that process, because that's why we like having contractors on board so that we can draw and numbers come out. It's not direct from us, but it is direct in terms of what we draw, we immediately give to you or we're bringing you on immediately so that you can provide those cost estimates. So Tell us a little bit about how that process works and, and, and what the cost estimating, what that process of cost estimating does for the client as a contractor. Yeah, and it comes back to being involved as early as possible because as everybody knows, there, you know, there's these graphs and construction that always show like decisions that are made on the front end have the least amount of cost impact. And the later you make those same decisions, the more cost impact they're going to have. So being involved as a team discussing options from the very beginning of the project can add a lot of value. And like you said, especially in today's market with things constantly changing, yeah. it's unrealistic for even us to have to the minute information on all of the different right. possible systems that are out there. But the good thing is we have a ton of resources with our subcontractors and suppliers that we can reach out to. So if we're trying to determine what the structural system on a particular building is going to be. Is it going to be, you know, CMU and hollow core plank, or is it going to be tilt wall or structural steel? That's the kind of thing where at the end of the day, the building can look essentially the same way using a few different systems. And cost isn't always the only input you need to be worried about. Sometimes it's the lead time of the material. Schedules are a big deal for most clients. And knowing when things are going to be available is huge as well. So we can reach out to our folks in the industry that we know and trust and have a good relationship with and gather some of that data that we wouldn't expect an architectural firm to have. You know, Nor do we have. Right, <laughs> right. And be a part of that effort of vetting out the design and determining what the costs are. And once you get to a point where you know the vision's kind of understood and the programming is getting decided and how many square feet of office space are we going to have and versus restroom space, versus kitchen space, then those square foot costs can be even more beneficial as you get through like just schematic design and into some of the design development stuff with determining how large spaces are and how to maximize that. 
and to make sure that there's space allotted to the things that are not necessarily what the client's concerned about. Mm-hmm. Storage isn't always something on the front of somebody's mind. Right. Mechanical space and electrical rooms and making sure that those clearances that are needed are met make a big difference. But it's definitely a huge benefit to the owner to get that feedback as early as possible because it helps them buy into the fact that what they're getting at the end of the day is the best bang for their buck as well. Because it's not just, here you go, Baron, can you go out and design this building for me? And then we put a price to it and they go, holy cow, that's 50% more than what we thought we were spending. And it's like, well, at this point, it's designed. So we can only price what's on the paper. That's right. No, and and you're bringing a great point. There's a not only process, but also almost phasing or timing of providing those cost estimates, right? Mm -hmm. So if you provide a cost estimate at schematic design, that is within X percentage of what the total cost is, but it gives the owner an idea of the budget at that moment in in time, right? Mm -hmm. Then you move on to design development and you provide a cost estimate then, and all of a sudden now you're getting closer to reality, but you're not at reality. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it still gives the client and, or the owner an idea of where this is heading, which then they start to relate to banks and loans and, and, and their own budget and whatever else, and then ultimately the final. Mm-hmm. So do you find that architects embrace that process of bringing you guys on or working with you from day one? Or do you find that most architects like to do it where, here, here's my design, here it is, and now price it? No, I think that most of the time we have a pretty collaborative relationship with a lot of the architects that we work with. And maybe that's not commonplace, but it seems to be the case for us. It it always depends a little bit on who the client is and how defined that vision is. But one of the things that everybody wants to know is, even from the very beginning, is like at the schematic level, you've got a floor plan and you've got some ideas and we reach out to subcontractors and they come back to us with questions that we wouldn't think of because we're not doing what they do every day. And automatically you start producing these alternates to kind of get mm-hmm. those juices flowing between the creative side of things where it's there's a million different ways to finish the exterior of this building and here's the cost impacts of doing it different yeah. ways. So, And I think you know nobody likes to do things twice. So I'm sure from an architect's perspective... If you're not given the opportunity to work with a contractor from the beginning and you follow the the owner's vision all the way through its completion without taking those stops and checking the map at you know schematic or design development, and you get to the end and then you do give it to a contractor and it does come back way over budget, that's got to be a frustration as an architect because yeah. <laughs> it's going to create a bunch of work for you anyway that could have been done earlier. And I think for that reason... We have a very good relationship and we have architects that want that feedback as early as they can get it. Good. That's good to know Mm -hmm. because we don't always hear that, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. All right. So you just sort of explained one challenge. So any other challenges that you've come up with or that you've come across in your development of projects, I would say, whether with architects or whether with owners, possibly, Mm -hmm. that you've had? I mean, you know, there's the typical ones of just tight schedules and tight budgets. But again, a lot of that can kind of be not necessarily completely avoided because things happen in the market, especially now is changing constantly, but can be mitigated to a certain extent by being involved as a team early on and identifying 
the materials and methods that are going to maximize the time frame that you have to complete a project and the money that you have to spend on it. So those are two typical items. One that you know you see, especially in commercial construction, where the person who is representing the ownership party isn't necessarily the end user or is just mm-hmm. one of the end users, mm-hmm. is not enough feedback or involvement. And it can go the other way where you get too much, yeah, which sure. isn't beneficial either. But not having enough involvement or feedback from the folks that are the end users that are going to be living in that space. And you find out when the project opens and they've moved their furniture in that they always envisioned their desk being over here and they don't have power and data or you know that they don't have enough storage or whatever it might be. Again, it's that feedback and communication is huge. So that's one that's a little bit unique where making sure that the proper stakeholders are mm-hmm. bought in the same way that the owner is by communicating openly with one another from the beginning and at least checking in. And if you give people the opportunity, the end users, the opportunity to buy in and they choose not to, and they choose to ignore it because this is going on. Well, then at least at the end, the person who has been representing the ownership from the beginning or the architect or contractor can say, you know, we made a a strong effort to get your feedback when this was less of an impact to the project. And, you know, we had an opportunity to talk about that then. And so I think that's huge, just, just communicating. Do you like having owners reps? It, de- it depends. You know, that's a, lo- <laughs> that's a loaded question. Well, and, and when I say owner's rep, just so that everybody's clear, typically or often an organization or a group of owners, let's say, have an owner's representative that works as sort of the, li- the liaison between the contractor, architect, and the owner, mm-hmm. right? So they provide coordination, they provide information, whatever. Mm -hmm. So sure, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think it's both. And I think it can be all one or the other, depending on the personalities and what the end goal of that person is or that group of people is. But it's a big positive in the sense that typically owners that we deal with are very busy people. They're doing this commercial construction thing as just one part of whatever else Mm -hmm. they have going on. So as a construction manager, like we don't consider just turning over a project on time and under budget an overall success. Like we want to know that the owners and users were able to move into the space, have their furniture, have their IT set up, have you know their security system in play, so that they're able to be hitting the ground running day one. And that does take a lot of coordination on from the owner's perspective with things that we typically don't have a lot of input on. Mm -hmm. Placing your furniture orders as early as necessary. Getting some of the owner-provided items into the building when they need to be there is something where an owner's rep can be a major benefit because they can be helping facilitate the decision-making in the background that's not necessarily construction-related to keep it from being a project where we feel that we did a great job Architect had a great vision. We executed it. The project's finished. And then it sits there for three months before anybody can take advantage of it because the owner didn't quite realize what all they needed to have in place to be able to actually occupy and start using the space. And you know, the flip side of it can be that sometimes it can feel as though an owner's rep is kind of just there to 
expose something that they think that the contractor may or may not be doing in the best interest of the owner or the architect or the architect. And I know at least at Tandem, like we take a lot of pride in communicating clearly, being transparent, having really good relationships with the architects and owners that we work with. So we don't necessarily feel as though we need someone that's, you know, looking over the shoulder, making sure that we're not hiding something because that's just not how we operate. And whether or not it, it is happening, sometimes it can give the perception that there's a reason that there needs to be an owner's rep involved to mm-hmm. keep something from happening like that. And that's unfortunate when it does happen because at the end of the day, we build a lot of good friendships and relationships with the people that we work with and for. Just don't want any kind of anything in the middle of that muddy in the water, I guess. And I think that's that's sort of the good point is that an owner's rep is great when there isn't the relationship mm-hmm. between the contractor and the architect and possibly the owner. Mm -hmm. And that person then acts as sort of that mediator between between all three of the, you know, legs to the triangle. So in that way, I I think it it can be very good. Mm -hmm. I also find that owners reps that are architects are often useful Mm -hmm. and understand the language and understand, you know, how to speak to everybody. Right. Sure. So if an owner's starting a project, what should they ask you right off the bat? That's an interesting question. Probably at a lot of different stages during the process of delivering a construction project, an owner should ask what we often ask of our subcontractors, which is what answers do you need? What resources do you need for me to make sure that you're as efficient as you can possibly be? And sometimes that question doesn't get asked and an Mm -hmm. owner just assumes that you have everything that you need and we've told you everything that you could possibly be curious about. And sometimes, you know, we try to do our best. I mean, communication is the key at the end of the day for everything that we do. But we ask that of our subcontractors all the time and say, hey, here's our goal. Here's where we want to be. And at the end of the week or the end of the month or even months or years from now, What are the major roadblocks that you see between here and there? And how can we help you be efficient in reaching those? And a lot of times, you know, an owner doesn't necessarily think about it that way. Why is efficiency so important? Uh, Efficiency accomplishes everybody's goals, right? I mean, we want the project to be done as cost-effectively as possible. And that's probably the biggest answer. Right. Right. At the end of the day, that's what the owner wants to hear. Exactly. And they want us to be done as early as possible, typically. And so asking what potential concerns we may have, and and we have a tendency as contractors of, even if we do have a concern, maybe not communicating it the way that we should, because we don't want to cause any any unnecessary stress to the client or make them seem as think that there's something out of sorts when we know that we've got it under control. But I do think it's a valid question to say, hey, what do you guys need? Are there questions that you don't have an answer to yet that are going to be my responsibility? that can help guide you, you know, and keep you efficient. So and then look at the end of the day, like I said, efficiency equates to dollars. Time equates to dollars. Schedule equates to dollars. And in multiple ways, right? So if you have a client that yes, they get in quicker because they may save money on general conditions or the time that it takes to do that. But it also allows them to generate revenues Mm -hmm. right sooner. So for like restaurants in particular, the sooner they get in, the more they can start making. 
for owners that develop and that have tenants that need the tenant build out, the sooner the tenant build out gets completed, the sooner they can start their lease. Mm-hmm. So that's really at the end of the day, sort of the efficiency, right? And it is. And and sometimes it's not necessarily, you know, because commercial construction takes on a lot of different forms for us, but sometimes it is that the space is going to be used for generating revenue. And typically it is. But no matter what, as soon as that building is turned over and it is operational, whether it's being occupied and used for its intended purpose or not, it's costing money at that point in time. So if you've got a new classroom wing on a school campus that doesn't open on day one when they actually can't occupy and it pushes another semester or another school year, there's operating costs there that they're not able to take advantage of that space and use it for its intended purpose. So yeah, efficiency is huge. Great. All right, Cody. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, I really appreciate the time. This has been uh, it's been interesting. It's I don't think for as often as we work together with architects, we don't always get to sit down and have just like candid conversations yeah. <laughs> like this. So uh, good. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and chat. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And next episode is for all of those aspiring architects wondering what it is like to work in an architectural firm and considering an internship for their college career. We'll interview our latest intern, Daniela Abreu de Cabo.